The idea that we pulled out for this week is life in the millennial kingdom and into and on into eternity. Somebody asked a question about they want to do a study on what it's going to be like in the millennial kingdom and what it's going to be like off into eternity. So we're going to, the best of my ability, we're going to try to do a Bible study on that. I'm running so late this morning, we're not going to be able to get through all of it, but uh, it'll definitely be a really, I think you'll enjoy the study. And uh, it's going to be a lot of verses, but it'll help us to understand. Life in the millennial kingdom and on into eternity. So we're going to do that study there. We'll start in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. And while y'all are found in Revelation 20, verse 1, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, you'll give us grace and mercy. This morning, Lord God, I pray, Father, for wisdom. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us into all truth. Lord, we do thank you for your healing hand, Lord God. We pray, Father, for all our loved ones here in the church, Lord, that aren't able to make it out this morning. Lord God, I pray a blessing on them, Lord, for some healing and for some traveling mercies, Lord. Thank you for your salvation we have in Jesus Christ. I'm praying all this in his precious name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Revelation 21. So... What we need to establish is what is it, what do we mean by the millennial kingdom, life in the millennial kingdom and on into eternity. Let's read it. So starting in Revelation 20, so what's the context? The context here is you have the tribulation period and uh, let me draw a timeline. I'm going to draw this timeline. Best way to study is just to draw things out. I like to see visuals so I can understand what's going on. So the timeline would be here's the cross where Jesus Christ is crucified. Uh, around 33 A.D., and then you have the resurrection. You have the tomb, you have the resurrection. But then there's about, oh, 2,000 years. It's going on 2,000 years. But we know according to Scripture there's going to be a rapture of the church. And what the, the rapture of the church is is Christ comes down to the clouds, and the church itself is raptured out. So this is the rapture. I'm going to kind of just chicken hand right that. Chicken scratch right that. So rapture, we're raptured out. This little, this little circle here, half circle, is a tribulation period. And that's found in the book of Revelation, starting in Revelation chapter 4 all the way up to Revelation 19 is a tribulation period. That's when the Antichrist is set up. The, uh, that's when uh, we are raptured out. We're up in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. At the same time, the earth is being, it all, God's pouring down his wrath on the earth. And the Jew is going through the tribulation period. So it's mainly a Jewish, that's why there's so much Jewish uh, uh, talk when you get to tribulation period. Now, at the end of Revelation 19, uh, that's when Jesus Christ comes back, and we come back with him. And he comes back, and when he comes back in Revelation 19, that's, what we, uh, that's the battle of Armageddon. That's when uh, he straightens all this out. Why does Christ come back? He comes back for the purpose of setting up. And we're about to read it. He comes back to set up, and I'm going to put a thousand years in here. He comes back to set up a millennial kingdom. Millennial is a, is a fancy way, a Latin way of saying thousand. Annual, milli, thousand, annual, millennial. So you've got milli, annual, millennial, thousand. So we're going to say it's a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. So where do you get that out of Scripture? Well, this is where we get that term and where this takes place in Scripture. Revelation 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven. Now this is after the battle of Armageddon. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. No doubt about who this is. And he bound him a thousand years. So at, the, at, that, at that battle of Armageddon, after the battle of Armageddon, uh, there, I'm going to put this as, this is, this is hell. 
he, uh, uh, the bottomless pit, we'll put this as the bottomless pit, and Satan is bound in that bottomless pit for a thousand years. So there it is. So he's bound for a thousand years. And what happens throughout a thousand years? And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and sh verse 3, and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So after the thousand years, Satan's going to be loosed by the Lord for a season. Now in the Bible, season's about three months. So about, for about three months, Satan's loosed again after, after that thousand years. And what that's going to coincide with is verse 4. And I saw th thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. That's going to be the Jews. That's going to be uh, the disciples, and I'll, I'll read that to you in a minute. Was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. That happened during the tribulation period. And for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their heads, that's all, foreheads, that's all tribulation period, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ, look, a thousand years. So there's the prophecy that there's going to be Jesus Christ is going to be ruling this earth, on this earth, for a thousand years. And there's going to be people ruling with him, those those people that come through the tribulation period that didn't take the mark, they get saved, they're coming in here and they're going to help rule with Jesus Christ. We're going to help rule with Jesus Christ. Verse 5, But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years are finished. This is the first resurrection. So what happens is there's a the finishing of the resurrection takes place called the gleanings right here. So for a thousand years, you had the first resurrection. These, the righteous are resurrected, and they're going to live with Christ, reign with Christ. The dead are still down here in hell. They're still down here in hell waiting to be resurrected at the second resurrection. You don't want to be a part of the second resurrection. Why? Because that's when you're judged for your, for your sins. Verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such a second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. A thousand years. There it is again. So Christ is reigning for a thousand years. That's where the millennial term comes, a Latin term for millennial. Verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, that's associated with Germany and Russia, to gather them together to battle to the number who's as the sand of the sea. So after that thousand years, when, when Satan's loosed, and I'm going to put loosed up here, when he's loosed, you got a thousand years, and we're going to find out what that thousand years is like. That's what the study's about. For a thousand years, you've got people growing and, and multiplying and multiplying to the point when Satan's loose for a thousand years, it's going to be like the people are going to be like the sands of the sea. There's going to be millions and millions, billions of people on this earth after a thousand years of, of the millennial kingdom. But they start following Satan like the sand of the sea. This is not Christians. This is, this is not Christians that's following Satan. These are those tribulations. See, there's people that come through the tribulation that didn't get killed, didn't take the mark, and then their kids, and then their kids, and then their kids, and then their grandkids, and great-grandkids. And so you got these generations, and we're going to study that together, why there's so many people there. All right. Verse 9, And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. The beloved city would be Jerusalem. And that's where Christ is ruling out of. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So they, Satan gathers them all together. It takes about three months, if that's a season. 
gathers them all together. But what God does is God, this is like the battle armor. Again, God doesn't put up with it. He brings fire down and it just destroys them all. There's a lot going on in there in three verses. <laughs> There's not a lot of details, brothers and sisters, there. So you can say, well, I want to study this. Well, that's it right there. But we can study, the Bible does talk a lot about the thousand years. And I'll, we're going to go through those verses together. All right, and what happens to the devil after this? Verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's when Satan gets his. We would, you would never know what happened to Satan if you didn't have the book of Revelation. So Satan at that time, he's brought back down here with a false prophet, with the Antichrist, and he's thrown into hell forever and ever. That's his torment forever and ever. That's what happens to a lost man or woman that don't have Jesus Christ. Hell was never prepared for a lost man or woman. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, according to Jesus Christ. So when the devil's in here, that's where you're going to stay. Tormented forever and ever. And now here's the second resurrection. Verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there's found no place for them. So at this time, the earth is destroyed. <clears throat> The earth, is, the earth is here, and at this time, the earth is destroyed, completely burned up. The heaven and the earth are fled away. It's just like, no way to describe it, maybe it's outer space. <clears throat> Verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Are you dead? Amen. Are you alive in Jesus Christ? Amen. A Christian is never dead. A Christian is alive. This is not me and you. This is the dead Christ said, that, Christ said his believers will never see death. Well, I thought they died. They do die, but they'll never see death. That, that death, when, when, when you die, you're passing from one state to another. You're just shedding this old body. Your soul is being carried up. Now, if you're not saved by Jesus Christ, you don't have Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, when you, when you do pass away, you are going to see death. The death angel will be there, and he'll carry you down into the lower place, into hell. Until this, and then what happens is they're brought out of hell, and they stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So all your works are being written down in a book. And what you want, to have, what you want God to do is you want God to take the blood of Jesus Christ and cover that, all your sins up in that book. And the second thing you want God to do is you want God to take your name and write it in that Lamb's book of life. Why? Because of this, verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell, that's personified, but there's hell, delivered up the dead which are in them. So you got people in hell waiting. They might have died in 2010, but they have to wait until another thousand years for the millennial reign of Christ, and then they're brought up and judged. you got people down in hell, been in hell for 3,000 years, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 years, been in hell, waiting to be judged, and this is where they're judged. And the sea gave up the dead which are in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which are in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. We're saved by faith, not of works. This has nothing to do with any Christian. This has to do with those that come through here, that have been sent into hell, that come through here, that die, that went into hell. These are the unrighteous, and they're judged for their works. Why are they judged for the works? Because in hell, it implies that there's different levels of damnation in hell. Just like there's three heavens... There's the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven is where God would be at. It's implied that there's three different levels to hell. Christ said of the Pharisees, he said, you receive the greater damnation. The greater damnation. Like there's a lesser. 
So you got people, that you, might, you might have some dear lady that's never really committed any kind of serious sin, but she does have sin, amen. Everybody's a sinner, and she might have been sweet, but she would never receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. When she dies, she's not going to receive that greater damnation that the false prophet and the devil and somebody like Charles Manson would receive. But she's still going to be down in hell. Explain that. I can't explain it much, but it's there. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoso was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the last thing. They look in the book of life. Is his name there? They'll say, no, I can't find that name. And then you're, you, you're told to bow because the Bible says every, name, every tongue shall confess. Every mouth, so you're going to, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall fast. So even the devil himself will have to bow down and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And then they'll lift you up and the angels will take you and throw you into a, a devil's hell. And then eternity. Then eternity. So what we're going to talk about this morning is the millennial kingdom. This, this right here. We're going to talk about the, the millennial, what's it going to be like in the millennial kingdom according to the word of God. And what's it going to be like out in eternity. After what I just read. Because after that is eternity. See, look at chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a, great, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first, first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. There we go. That's what we're going we're to study all this together. So turn to, Revel, I mean, turn to Matthew chapter 19. So we're going to study this, this millennial kingdom. And there actually is a lot said about it in the Word of God. The millennial kingdom. So we're gonna, what's it going to be like? In, for li what's life going to be like in the millennial kingdom? It's a great question. I'm glad it was asked, and we're going to study that together. So, of course, this is the earth like we know it today. And I'm not a very good artist, but you, you got the idea of what we got going on here. This is the earth like we know it today. But it's not going to be like that in the millennial kingdom. This earth that we know today is a destroyed earth. You're looking at an earth that was flooded in Noah's time. Amen? So what you're looking at is a destroyed earth. It's not like the Garden of Eden, but what you're going to find out is during the Millennial Kingdom, it becomes like the Garden of Eden again. Now, Christ talks about this. Matthew chapter 19, look at verse 27. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, that's when he's sitting in Jerusalem, ruling and reigning the earth from Jerusalem, on his throne, the throne of his father David, when he shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So he's going to set those disciples up to judge Israel at that time during the millennial kingdom. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Some of us are going to be really high up in the millennial kingdom. Some of us are going to be really low down in the millennial kingdom. But there is going to be a millennial kingdom and Christ just called it the regeneration. He called it in the regeneration. So what, you, what we're going to find out when we go study these scriptures in Isaiah, because there's lots and lots of prophecy about this in the book of Isaiah. Christ called it the regeneration. And what you're going to see is you're going to see a regeneration of the earth. You're going to see a regeneration of animal kind. You're going to see a regeneration of mankind. This earth is going to be regenerated to go back to looking like it was at the Garden of Eden in the Millennial Kingdom. Why? Because its creator's down here on the earth. 
and nature's going to come alive again. And Satan that's causing all the trouble, he's down here for a thousand years. So we're going to look at that. So it's a regeneration of this earth. So we're going to look at it, we're going to study it as a regeneration of the earth, a regeneration of animal kind, a regeneration of mankind. So let's start with the earth. This is pretty amazing. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. There's lots of prophecy about this. And, uh, guys, there's going to be a lot of scripture turned here, but mostly it's in Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is amazing. But we're going to start in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 33. Now, if I go too fast on some of these verses, uh, get with me after church and I'll, I'll give them to you. But I'm going to try to hit them pretty fast. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 33. Look at this. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and ways shall be built. When, when, when is all the Jews, when's all, everybody going to be cleansed of their iniquity? The Jews going to be cleansed of his iniquity during the millennial kingdom. That's when the Jew gets what is his. Verse 34. And the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. Verse 35. Look at this. They shall say, this land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. <laughs> no doubt. But you notice it speaks there that, that at that time it will become like the Garden of Eden. Look at Isaiah chapter 51. Go, go back to Isaiah chapter 51. We're going to stay in Isaiah for a while. Isaiah 51. So the earth is going to become like the Garden of Eden. Isaiah chapter 51 verse 3. Isaiah 51 verse 3. So Christ calls it the regeneration. The millennial kingdom is going to be like a regeneration. This earth is going to come alive again. Generate, regenerate. It's uh, not just a generation like when you read in the Bible, you've got like a recreation in Genesis chapter 1. This is the same principle. It's uh, things will come alive, start coming up. Isaiah 51, 3. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Amen. Now, y'all just went through a big, long study of rightly dividing the word of truth. When you come across verses like verse 3, you've got to say, where do I put that verse? Well, that verse can't be put at the time of Christ, right? It can't, sure can't be put in today. When is that verse, where do you apply that verse? Well, if you've got a timeline and you say it can't be put before Christ, it can't be put after Christ, it can't be put today, you've got to find some time in the future that that verse takes place. Well, it's not going to take place in the tribulation period. That's when the sun is burning everything up and scorching the earth, Amen. That's one of the plagues. You've got to find a place. Well, the most obvious place is to put it right here in the millennial kingdom. Same way as Ezekiel 35, 36 I just read you. So right there, the earth during the millennial kingdom becomes like the Garden of Eden. Look at Isaiah 44. Look at Isaiah 44, verse 23. Isaiah 44, verse 23. Let's look at some more of this. So the earth becomes like the Garden of Eden. Isaiah 44, verse 23. I mention this verse all the time in my preaching because I love this verse. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 23. 
Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Hey, thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, he hath formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, and that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and maketh the viners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish. All, this is, all the context of this is God coming down and starting to rule on the earth, and you're going to see the mountains start singing. You're going to see the, uh, the heavens are shouting, the lower parts of the earth are singing. So one of the things about this is when the earth gets, starts getting regenerated, there's going to be a, it's going to be a different place. It says there that the mountains are singing. And it says, O forest and every tree therein. So you have all of nature starts singing. Look at uh, Isaiah 55, 12. Isaiah 55, 12. Isaiah 55, 12. So there's a regeneration of this earth. It becomes like the Garden of Eden. The mountains start singing. Now we're going to read that the trees start clapping. Verse 12, Isaiah 55, 12. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. So there's joy and peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. Before who? Before the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the trees are clapping, the mountains are singing. This is, a different, this is a different place. In the millennial kingdom, it's a whole different world. It's like they're singing and glorifying their creator, Jesus Christ. Look at what happens next, verse 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So the, the curse is being lifted off this earth. Remember the curse was brought on because of mine and your great granddad, Adam and Eve. It's been, this cur earth has been cursed and because of their kids, God had to flood this place. So he flooded it and then for the, for the, from there, there upon on, God was saying, I'm going to bring in a redeemer, I'm going to bring in my son, I'm going to let him rule this earth. So when he does, does finally make it down here, when he makes it down here, that's when the earth comes alive. And it's becoming like the Garden of Eden. No more thorns. I'm, I'm pretty sure we won't have any deal, deal with any mosquitoes. Fire ants. Everybody, I already had some of you yell fire ants before I can get it out of my mouth. Yeah. Well, all this curse that's been put on this earth, it's, gonna be, it's been lifted. Yeah, amen. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. It's going to be what we would think of as heaven on earth. Look at Isaiah 35, 12. Isaiah 35, 12. Yeah, this book of Isaiah is an amazing book. Isaiah 35, 12. Let's see something else that happens on this earth. We're focusing on... That's not going to be right. No, that's not right. That's a scribal error. I wrote that down twice. Let me see what... I've got this written down somewhere else. Let me see what I did wrong there. Isaiah 35, 12. No, look at... Yeah, Isaiah 35, 1 and 2. Look at 1 and 2. Isaiah 35, 1 and 2, pardon me. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with, look, with joy and singing. The desert starting to sing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon 
Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Now that verse right there is applied to modern day Israel. Because you, if you look at modern day Israel, when Israel took over in 1945, and then you look at what's going on in Israel today, it, like they take a map, they take like an image, a satellite image, and here's a satellite image of, of Israel, and it's like it's this barren wasteland, and then you look at it in 2021 with satellite imagery, it's like just blossom. Well, that's a, a, that's a type of what this verse is telling you, that at this time, there'll be no more desert. It's going to come alive. Guys, it's going to be a Garden of Eden. It's going to be like a, a, a greenhouse. It's going to, that's what you read. When you read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it's like a greenhouse effect going on here. And in during this greenhouse, the desert's going to blossom out. Look at Isaiah chapter 30. Look at Isaiah chapter 30. The desert will blossom like a rose. Now look at Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26. Here's something interesting. This is an interesting one. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as a light of the sun. Oh, so the moon's so bright, it's going to be like the sun. And look, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold, seven times, as a light of seven days, in the day that the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people and healeth the stroke of their wound. He takes, that takes place, the healing of his people and the binding up, that takes place during the millennial kingdom, right before the millennial starts. So the sun is going to be, it's going to be seven times as bright. Now down in Texas, we're thinking that's a heat wave. See, in Genesis chapter 1, when you're studying Genesis chapter 1, it talks about a firmament. And that firmament is divided. And it's, it, it implies that there was a firmament below the clouds and above the clouds. So there was like a, something, and scientists, Christian scientists, we believe, they believe, because I'm not one of them, but I, I agree with them. They believe there was a canopy on this whole earth. And this canopy just surrounded this whole earth. A canopy of ice or water. It's either frozen water or it was just water. And it surrounded this whole earth. So during, the, during Noah's time when God brought down the flood, what happened is he broke this canopy up. Either with a meteorite or something happened. Meteorite shower or something. He broke this canopy up and it brought that water down onto the earth and flooded the whole earth. So it appears during the regeneration, it appears that that, that canopy is reapplied on the earth. Because when you have that canopy, what's happening when you have that canopy? Where all, the, all these sun rays that are being shot down, what happens is it causes a greenhouse effect. But it, it shoots off these, those, these bad radiation rays you're getting from the sun. That's why we get skin cancer, why we deal with all that. That's being reflected by that canopy. You also got in here the oxygen content because you've got this canopy on the earth, this oxygen content is going to be at least doubled, if not tripled. So if you get sick, they used to, now the sports teams do this, they put their guys in these hyperbaric chambers, which squeezes oxygen into their cells to try to make them heal quicker. Oxygen helps you heal quicker. It's why we have uh, hydrogen peroxide, liquid oxygen, you spray it on you. You do that because you want it to heal. You want, you, you want that wound to heal quicker. So when you have scientifically when you have twice amount of oxygen when you have the sun rays being reflected and by the way when they when they found like uh, amber fossils they have oxygen and they have like an air bubble and an amber fossil they draw that out you know what they find out there was twice as much oxygen 
and that oxygen, oxygen content. So when you have twice as much oxygen in there and you have all the deadly sun rays being reflected out, it becomes like a greenhouse effect. Everything in here is like tropical. All the earth becomes tropical. You know what happens to, to uh, mankind? He's living to be six, seven, eight hundred years old. After the flood, what happened to mankind? He was living to be 120, 80, because he, he was getting all the sun rays, all these bad rays are hitting him. No more oxygen like it was. A reptile, all a reptile does, all a reptile does is grow and grow and grow until it dies. So if you have a reptile living in an environment like that, and that's all a dinosaur is, right? Dinosaur means uh, terrible lizard. So you have, a di you have a lizard, you got some kind of uh, reptile species, and you got him like this, well then if he's living to be like a, like a big turtle, seven, eight, nine hundred years old, that's why you got these huge fossils, you know, of these dinosaurs, it's because, isn't that an ugly dinosaur, by the way? Looks good, <laughs> Looks good brother, yeah. Anybody laughs gets to come up here and draw their own dinosaur. <laughs> the point is, is that that explains why dinosaurs are so huge. They were living to be seven, eight hundred years old, never stopped growing. That's what it appears is going on here in verse 26. More of the light of the moon should be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun should be sevenfold. It's like we're living in a greenhouse. It'll be amazing. God knows what he's doing. Now, I don't know exactly if that's how he's going to do it with a canopy. I don't know that. I can't prove that with Scripture. Now, I believe that's Scripture in Genesis 1. I believe that is Scripture in Genesis 1. But I can't prove it. I can't prove it in the Millennial Kingdom. But I'm assuming that's what he does because it all points back to Eden and the Garden of Eden. And that's what was going on in the Garden of Eden. Look at Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9. Turn to the right, and then we'll, we'll close here. Well, we'll go two more verses, and that'd be a good place to stop. Amos chapter 9, all the way back, in the, towards the back of the Old Testament. Amos chapter 9. Here's a, here's a prophecy. Here's the prophecy of the days to come. Amos chapter 9, verse 13. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. Now, y'all farmers and ranchers in here, this is pretty amazing stuff. That the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth the seed, soweth seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. It says that it's going to be so fruitful, that there's going to come a day, it's going to be so fruitful that the guy who's planting the seed is being overtaken with the guy that's trying to reap it up. The plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth the seed. That's pretty amazing. That's how fruitful it's going to be in the millennial kingdom. So you've got to take that verse, you've got to put it somewhere. Well, it's got, you've got the earth, it's the same, you're going to have to put that, we're going to put that in the millennial kingdom. See there in verse 14, I'll bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall be, also make gardens and eat the fruit of them, and I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Millennial kingdom. That's 1948. They've been planted there. I don't think God's ever going to move them again. They're done. They're there. They're going to stay there. So you're seeing... 
that there's an amazing thing going on. This seven-time-fold sun, this seven times the sun is, is, is seven times as bright. It looks like in verse 13 there, it's causing this incredible harvest to take place on the earth. Now look back at Ezekiel 34, and we'll close. Just look back at Ezekiel 34. I'm running a little bit late, so uh, you got any questions, I'll ask me right after church or right after the Sunday school lesson, and I'll see if I can answer them. But uh, Ezekiel chapter th uh, 34, verse 29. I asked myself a question the other morning, and I still haven't got the answer for it, so <laughs> I've got a question about some of this stuff. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 29. Look at here. And I will, now remember, we're, we're, this is the, con remember we're reading about there's a, there's, the sun is brighter, seven times brighter. We're seeing there's an incredible harvest. Verse, verse 29, Ezekiel 34, verse 29. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown, of plant of renown. And they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen anymore. Now, in type, that plant will, is Jesus Christ. And you'll hear preachers, and I've seen scholars, they'll say that's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. But I know that that in type is a prophecy of Jesus Christ, but I believe that, in, that that's actuality. That during this millennial kingdom that God is going to raise up a plant that's going to be able to feed everybody, and there'll be no more, there'll be no more consumed with hunger. He's going, to, he's, going to raise, he's going to raise up a special plant that's going to feed everyone. And he's going to have to do that, because in this millennial kingdom... You're going to have people, you're going to have billions and billions, if not a trillion people. Because no, very few people are dying. But people are living to be hundreds and hundreds of years old. And I'll show that to you next week, where they're living to be hundreds of years old. So you've got people living to be hundreds of years old. How many kids are you going to have when you're living to be hundreds of years old? See? And then the, that's what was going on in the beginning of the creation of the earth. So uh, there was a plant that God raises up, and he feeds the hungry. He makes sure that everybody has plenty of food. I don't know what that plant is. It just says it's a plant of renown. Now, people say that's Christ, and it, it is a type of Christ, but I believe that that is actual physically a plant that God has raised up. It, it lines up with the harvest we just read about in Amos. It lines up with the seven times brighter sun. It lines up with all of that. That greenhouse effect that's going on on the earth, it lines up with all of that. All right, next week, we'll, we'll, we'll finish this up. We'll go do the animal kingdom, what happens with mankind during the millennial kingdom, and then we'll talk about what's it going to be like after the millennial kingdom. What, what's it going to be like in, in eternity? And we'll study that together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, taking care of us, Lord. But, Lord, I thank you for your words that we can study them and read them, Lord God, and see the truth to come, Father. And we thank you for them. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.